Hey, what's up? Hello. Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. Um, I did a surprise show today, basically. I wasn't 100% sure if I was going to be able to do the show, but I put it together this afternoon. And I've always wanted to do the show by myself, but it scared me. I don't know why. I'm a stand-up comedian. I get up on stage and I tell jokes in front of uh, <laughs> hundreds of people every single night. And uh, for some reason, doing the podcast by myself scared me. But uh, I, I went ahead and I did it. So let's see what happens. I'm excited about it, though. Um, before I start, let me just say hello to the people that are, were kind enough to join me tonight in the chat. Hi, Maui Swift. Milwaukee civilians in the house. You're back? How was your trip? Where'd you go again? Good evening or good afternoon if you are in Hawaii. Oh, that's where you are in Hawaii. I probably should have read that first. <laughs> but, oh, man, you're living the life right there, living the life of Riley. God bless you. I'm so happy for you, Milwaukee civil Milwaukee civilian. Uh, Little Mermaid Louisa, hi. She says, hi, Mark. Hi, uh, please off the cuff chat. Ruth Ann Griffin's in the house. Hi, Mark. She says, uh, and uh, who else is here? Gina F. Greetings from Connecticut. Hi, Gina F. What part of Connecticut are you in? I may be visiting uh, your area to tell some jokes very shortly. Peter Pranz was in the house. Hey, Mark, and all the good uh, police off the cuff chat fans. Kelly McCowan. Hey, everybody. Uh, Pauline Buckles. She says, uh, hi, Mark. We support you. Thank you. Thank you. I support you, too. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee civilian. Thanks, Mark. Podcasting is work. Real work. Uh, it's you know what it, they're they're both uh, they're both a challenge in their own right and I appreciate both of them. I like to do things that scare me. I'm an adrenaline junkie, but in things that can't hurt me physically. <laughs> so uh, there you go. That's me in a nutshell. Amanda Johnson Williams. Hi, Mark. Hope you're well. I'm doing well. Uh, I hope everybody had a nice Fourth of July. I don't know what you guys did, but. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed it. I know I saw Raquel Pranzo's pictures. Those were really, really nice. And Hawk and Hack. Nice work. Thank you. Phil Leo. Hello, Mark. And Little Mermaid Birdie told me you have a a, a, por a porpoise for being here. What does that mean? Is that a joke? I don't know. A porpoise. Does Louisa have a porpoise? Nikki. Hello from Rochester. All righty, so let's get started. I, I hope everybody, like I said, I hope everybody had a nice 4th of July. And I hope you had a lot of fun. And I still I hope that you still have all your fingers. Um, I had a good 4th of July. I went to the beach with my girlfriend. And uh, actually a retired detective that I, I was speaking to uh, a couple of days before. I asked him, you know, you know any beaches? Because the last, uh, last time I went to the beach, I went to Long Beach. And I love Long Beach here in New York. It's beautiful. It's it's a great beach. The only problem is parking. And especially like uh, the last time I went was Memorial Day. So now I'm going to be looking for parking on the second or the first busiest uh, time trying to trying to go to the beach. So instead, he gave me this other beach. And I can't really tell you um, the name of it because I don't want to blow up the spot. If you're interested, uh, I'll give you some details of the, about the beach. And if you're interested, then you can uh, inbox me. And I'll tell you the name of the beach. I just can't say it. And the reason why, first of all, it's uh, it's in Queens. It's um, 
so it was it only took me like 35 minutes to get there and uh there was plenty of parking and um it's adults only there's no lifeguard so it's mostly adults i saw a baby one baby but i tell you what i did see a lot of um female breasts <laughs> Because the girls go topless on this beach. And that's why I can't tell everybody because I don't want to blow up the spot. But man, I probably saw like I at least 40 pair of boobs. But like I said, thank God I had my girlfriend with me because uh it prevented me from staring. Uh you don't want to go there with like two or three guys and just stare all day, because that could happen. And um I'd like to say that, you know, after a little while you get used to it. Uh, but you really don't. Every time I looked up or when I woke up from my, uh, uh, I, you know, I always sleep on the beach. My girlfriend says I always sleep on the beach. So I do sleep on the beach. And um, and when I woke up, there they were again. So it was a good day at the beach. And the beauty of going to the beach in New York City is that you have these people that walk around on the beach and they sell drinks, nutcrackers. If you're not from New York and you don't know what a nutcracker is, it's... um. It's a concoction, man. It's an alcoholic concoction. Uh, you know, they have uh, like my, uh, rum punch one. We uh, we got the margarita one. And that was so good, man. Oh, my God. And they call it nutcracker because it packs a punch. Like you, you feel like somebody cracked you, cracked you right over the head with something. And uh, after that, I passed out. And that was a really good day at the beach. And, of course, I didn't put uh, anything on for the first hour and a half. Because uh, that's the way I roll. And uh, luckily I had <laughs> my girlfriend with me. And she says, you should put something on. So, and I did, but I still got burnt. I don't know. I have this theory about uh, tanning. Like, you know, if you're only going to go a couple of times, you got to take the burn. Because at least this way you get some color. What am I putting on? 50, 60, or 40 on? So then I get a, a tan in, in, in three or four days? No. I got one. I got a day and a half at this right now. We got to go all out going bear bearskin <laughs> we got some other people joining us kelly mcgowan i'm jersey we know what that is lol oh yeah nutcracker good yeah nutcrackers are great man they're great but you know what happened to me was um the guy was kind enough because i didn't have cash i forgot to freaking bring cash you always got to bring cash when you go to the beach by the way and i forgot so um i had a he had venmo Thank God. What a wonderful world. But it, the, the the bad reception there, so I had to go for a walk far away so uh, so I could Venmo him. But, uh, yeah, thank God. The Nutcracker guys have Venmo now, folks. Well, before I, I really get into the nitty-gritty of it, I want to tell you a little – it's like an anecdote, something that came to my mind that I was thinking about because um, I've mentioned this on the show quite a bit, but I, I, I still work – uh, I do something with the police department anyway. I'm still blessed enough to have a, kind of sort of a, a little a little gift from God. I work as an actor in the police academy in the crisis event uh, crisis intervention tactics, and basically it's uh, it's training on how to handle mental illness. And they use outside actors. I'm, I'm the only actor that um, was was a cop, but um, I have the opportunity to go to the police academy uh, uh, at least once a week, sometimes twice. If I'm lucky to uh, to act in these scenes for these uh, officers that are being trained in how to handle mental illness. So when I was walking through the academy the other day, I went through the cafeteria and I saw. It was probably a 100 cops, young guys. 
and um, they had they all you could feel the energy from these hundred cops in the cafeteria. They were all standing together, and it was a positive energy coming out of them. And I could see the smiles on their faces, um, and I knew exactly what happened because their posture. There was just something about their body language. They were like kind of sort of showing off and they were kind of figuring out how they feel being in a police uniform. Because the way the police academy works is towards the end of, well, at least when I went, I don't know what they do now, but um, when I went, you got gun and shield day was right. uh, Gun and shield day was right before the end of the academy. Um, So, Basically, you go through all your training and you don't get your gun until the very, very end, which is a good thing, by the way. <laughs> so um, so you get your gun and shield. And then usually the next day uh, you come to work and you get a chance to wear the navy blue, dark, uh, dark blue shirt. So you're out of the recruit shirt, which is a gray shirt. And now you're in the actual NYPD police uniform. And there's no better feeling, man. That first day that you put on that uniform and it is complete and there's no way that anybody could tell that you're brand new because you have on the same uniform as everybody else. I mean, besides, you know, looking at your uh, your equipment because it's all shiny. Your shield is shiny or everything is brand new. Your leather. Uh, well, I don't even know. If it's not a, a leather gun belt anymore now with the, with the um, it's kind of sort of more like plastic. But anyway, everything just looks brand new. And I could tell by these these kids, these young, young uh, new police officers, man, that they were so happy and so excited and so proud just by their body language. And it really made me feel good because I, I went back to the day in my memory when when um, when I, I remember that feeling. I remember that feeling of the first day to put on that blue shirt that blue shirt um, and, and feel like a real cop, man. And that was an amazing feeling. And I, I felt good walking through that uh, cafeteria. And then uh, I got my, uh, my seltzer, which is uh, what I use for my scene. I wish you guys could see it. Um, it's great. It's a great scene. And I went upstairs to the fifth floor and then um, I talked to two clinicians while I was signing in and they told me, uh, Oh, did you hear the bad news? And I said, no, I didn't hear the bad news. And I got scared right away because I thought to myself, man, they're going to cancel the freaking. We got defunded again because we had gotten defunded before we were out a year. And they said, no, no, no. Um, a particular officer that I'm not going to name his name because uh, I don't know if he wants to be part of this, but uh, he's retiring. Today's his last day. And I was like, oh, wow, that sucks, man. That really, really sucks, you know. Because he's so, you know, such a great cop, you know, and uh, he, well, he's a detective, but he helps us, you know, and he's part of the the whole thing that we do there, man. And he kind of sort of runs it and it's going to suck being without him. But then I also thought to myself, ah, what are you talking about? The guy's retiring. He's going to be so freaking happy. But then I saw him and I talked to him. And I asked him, why are you getting out? You know, he, I know you're completing your 20 years, but you're in the academy. And the thing is. All right, you're working in the academy, but they keep throwing you out. Uh, you, you're out more than in nowadays in some projects or another. And if you got time on the job, you really don't want to have to go through that kind of stuff anymore. If you don't have to, and he's got a long commute, and everybody's got a story about why uh, they want to leave. And um, he's on the fence, but he's leaving. And uh, 
a lot of the stuff that he's leaving about, I get it. You know, it's just the job changed. Everything's different now. It kind of sort of sucks. Why am I going to keep putting up with this shit if I don't have to? So my point is I saw these two different uh, complete dynamics of uh, what the job is. The, the kid's exciting about getting on and then the guy who can't wait to freaking get off, even though it look, kind of sort of looks like he's got it made. So got me thinking. I mean, like, why not? Why don't we do something? I mean, these people that are, that are working there, they're looking for cops everywhere. Right now, by the way, there is such a shortage of police officers. I was looking for this. Um, I saw a funny cartoon that somebody put it, posted. I, could, I couldn't find it afterwards. Though. I'm, I'm upset that I didn't save it. And it showed the line for retirement, and it was like a whole row of cops, this cartoon black and white cartoon and then it shows um uh recruits i mean uh you know new police officers and there's nobody in that line to take the test and uh it's just it's it's puzzling to me like uh and they're doing everything they possibly can uh, this week when i was in the academy i heard they got rid of the run now the run is uh it's a mile and a half run and you build up to that you don't start off at a, at a mile and a half. You probably do like, I don't know, less than you build up a quarter mile, then another quarter mile. And midway through the academy, you're doing a, a mile. And then by the time you get to the end, you can do a mile and a half. And when I was in the academy, it was. Uh, it was 27 times around the gym. I remember that. This is uh, what they're offering police officer exam. Starting salary forty two thousand five hundred dollars. Starting after five years eighty five thousand. Which, uh, if you put that next to Nassau Suffolk, <laughs> what a joke that is! Just double it, double that money right there to go work at a place with le less crime. Uh, begin your journey by registering for the NYPD exam. Now the exam is free right now. It's free when it used to cost money for me to uh, for us to take the exam. Um, and they changed the physical, by the way. Not only did they get rid of the run, but they also um, – watch. I'll, I'll just show you right now because I have it. Everything that the physical is now, you, you tell me if you were on the job before what this looks like to you. All right. Hold on one second. Mm. Here we go. This is the physical test called the JST, or Job Standard Test. We want you to be prepared, so make sure you watch these examples closely. Here's a list of the stations of the Job Standard Test. Barrier Surmount, Stair Climb, Physical Restraint, Pursuit Run, Victim Rescue, Trigger Pull, these will need to be performed consecutively and will need to be completed within 4 minutes and 28 seconds while suited with a 14-pound weighted vest. But for now, we're going to break it down for you. Barrier Surmount From a kneeling weapon-ready position, the candidate sprints 50 feet to surmount 6-foot barrier. If you miss your first try, you're allowed... It's a fence now from a closer starting point. I, I think they're going to go through um, 
Wait a minute, I gotta get out of this. Uh, hold on a second. I think they're gonna go through the whole uh, training thing right there, one by one, for everybody the who's got, planning on taking the test, so you can get a look at it. What the practice of? Um, but you notice the chain link fence, which is also brand new. Before it used to be a wall. Your foot used to slip on it. It was much. It was. It was a few feet taller. The whole physical thing was much harder. And to top it all off, the police department physical uh, paled in comparison to the fire department physical, by the way, which has always been the case um, and which uh, I passed, by the way, with flying colors. You can only get 100 on the on the fire department exam. And uh, I did that. Uh, but that was back in the day that when I was young and in shape. <laughs> But um, yeah, so they're lower. They're, they're trying everything they can to get recruits. Um, in case you're interested, uh, the NYPD has an Instagram. They got a Twitter. Um, they got you name it. What else? NYPD makes fitness tests easier after increased retirements. It says on the bottom here: fat, weak, and slow is no way to become a cop, or is it? You know, the funny thing is that mile and a half run, like look at Chicago, by the way. Chicago, they got rid of, um, you're not allowed to chase on foot anymore. Not, forget about a car, chasing in a car. Uh, you're not allowed to chase on foot anymore. You're not allowed to run after anybody. So if we're going to mimic, or if Chicago uh, gave New York an idea to, to do the same thing, then what do you need a mile and a half run for if you're not going to chase anybody? Anyway, uh, yeah, so it, it kind of, I just wanted to tell you that story about the, what I, just the difference between these kids with excitement and God bless the kids that are coming on the job. And I hope more, more uh, young, young people decide to take the job. It's going to get better. It, it always does. It doesn't stay like this forever. When I first came on the job, by the way, there was uh, in 1991. There was 2,235 or 45 homicides, because everybody's talking about how how much crime there is right now in the city, or uh, and just so you know that when I came on the job in 1992, it was higher than that, higher than 2,235, and now last year it was 435 homicides in New York. So that is a significant drop off. And maybe it's going to be 200 more this year. It's still 1,500 or 1,400 uh, less than when I first came on the job. So let's relax about how bad the crime is. The only thing is we just don't want to see it go back that far. Uh, it's, you know, it's not the way we want to live. All right, let's go into the chat a little bit. Pauline Buckles, I like hearing all about the life as a police officer. All right, that's good. I'm happy that you do because uh, I like talking about it. Kim Allison, Milwaukee civilian, let me know when you visit again. Would like to meet you. Are you a relative of Mickey Mantle? Are you? I'd like to know that. Milwaukee civilian says fat, weak, and slow and old. Maybe I can be an NYPD cop. <laughs> take the test, man. You could take it online for free. You have to pay for that test and do it in a life for free, and you could take it over and over and over again until you get a hundred. And I had to wait three years to get on the job. From the time I took the test, it took me three years to get on the job. And now that you could get on, if you took the test tomorrow, you could get on probably in November. Scott Wagner, I came on in '81. 
we had to do eight foot wall, then a six foot wall. The next year you lowered it to uh, six foot four to encourage more female officers. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. You know what's funny is that when I got on the job, all you needed was a GED, and then all of a sudden you need a college later on after that. And the same way you question how physically fit you actually have to be. Oh, let me just mention one more thing. The best shape you're ever going to be in your life is when you go through the police academy. So if they're letting people in already out of shape, that's what, you know, they used to worry about stuff like that, about letting people on the job who are going to cost them in the future. And by cost them, I mean if they chase after somebody or they have to get into physical confrontation, they're going to get hurt and they're going to be out for a significant amount of time. And that costs the job. That's an officer who you're paying full money to out sick. And um, and because they got into any type of physical confrontation where I could have just rolled it off uh, as a young cop, you know, in shape, you know, they're going to be out for months and weeks and maybe they even get uh, three quarters. Hi, Nikki Bella. Three quarters, by the way, is uh, it used to be every cop stream. That's uh, you get paid three quarters of your money. Uh, untaxed so it's full pay phil leo uh hey gina my 411 sicilian american nona was a millionaire okay a walkie civilian it's funny to joke about but mark is correct cops will get hurt which means civilians will get hurt well cops are going to get hurt and then the job has to pay for them that's the problem with that uh okay so that was just something that happened. And also, um, let's see where I want to go here because there's so much to talk about. This is this is one that really, really troubles me right now. And if you're a New Yorker or anybody with a half a brain, it should trouble you. Uh, video will show New York City bodega worker allegedly stabbing man to death. Um, this bodega worker, his name is Jose Alba. And he was working in, uh, he's a Dominican guy in his 50s. He's working in a bodega in in uh, Washington Heights, 139th Street. And um, a girl comes in there to get some potato chips for her child. But she's got no money on her EBT card. Her EBT card is, uh, you know, like food stamps. And uh, so the guy tells her, you ain't got no money on your card. <laughs> You got to go get money. And she gets pissed off and she goes, I guess this is an acquaintance or maybe her boyfriend or something like that. And then he comes in there 10 minutes later. I read somewhere that they had past dealings. But anyway, he comes behind the counter. You could see clearly right here from the from the picture that's up that this is behind the counter, by the way. Let me tell you something, man. Uh, when you go into inside a store or any type of business, Okay, there's a line that's drawn there. You stay on your side where the customer says, and the employee or the employees are the only ones that are allowed past this point. And if you come past that point, I can assume that you're trying to rob the place, especially if you come in aggressively the way this guy did. And let's we're, we're going to check this out. And this is a, a pretty violent. So if... Um, if you're squeamish, maybe you want to turn away right now. 
We'll come back in a second. There's no sound, but you can see him push him. See that push, that shove right there? Now he's sitting down and he's getting berated by this guy. Remember how the story starts. She wanted a bag of chips. And she couldn't get him because she didn't have the money. So she told this guy. He pushes him down. He's sitting down. He's talking to him, yelling at him. Then he pushes the guy. And the guy grabs a knife right there and he stabs him right there in the neck. That blow, that stab, killed that guy. He's no longer with us. Now, it's um, it's interesting to watch videos like that because every time you see a video like that, every single person is going to see it in a different way. I remember when, before I became a cop, and Rodney King um, got into the incident. It was it, that was in like 1991 when Rodney. It was like right before I went into the academy. I was working as a doorman in a building in the city, and I remember watching that video. And thinking to myself, uh, you know what? He should have pulled over. So all could have been prevented if he would have pulled over. And um, I remember people in the building and talking about it with them. And I'm a like a, a 20, 23, 24-year-old kid at this point. And these people with all this money, man, they were like, oh, what are you talking about? How could you say that? The, the cops beat the hell out of him. I'm like, hey, he deserved it. He should have pulled over. Put everybody's life in jeopardy driving like a freaking maniac. Just pull over. So people see things differently. When I see that video, I see a guy who came behind the counter. I don't know whether he's going to rob the place or what, what else he's plans to do to me. And um, if he does watch the Internet, he has seen people come behind the uh, counter and wreak havoc, which is the next video I'm going to show you. But um, this guy, Jose Alba, has been arrested. Obviously, he's going to get, <laughs> I guess he's going to get arrested. But here's the funny thing. Um, they put a $250,000 bail on him. A $250,000 bail, courtesy of the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg. $250,000. I haven't heard of a $250,000 bail for anybody in the city. We're talking about people that are, are, are going in and shoplifting, getting arrested 49, 50 times in one year. We're talking about uh, people who uh, cut people on the train uh, that they don't even know, push them on the tracks. I never heard of a $250,000 bail until this guy that was defending himself from, uh, from getting pushed around and beat up by, uh, by an angry person that came behind the counter. This guy has no criminal history that we're aware of yet. Apparently, he's been in this country 14 years. He's Dominican. So what the hell are we doing right now? I mean, you don't have to be uh, a conspiracy theorist to think, man, this is bullshit right now. Okay? This is bullshit. This guy, Alvin Bragg, is a Soros-sponsored uh, candidate. Um. And uh, this is something that they're posting on the Internet. If you want to look for it and share it, Alvin Bragg is a cancer on New York City. Free Jose Alba. Hashtag I am Jose Alba. 
So if you see that on the internet and you want to share that, it's just crazy, man. For for the see, this is why, and they don't care. They don't care if you were trying to be quiet about it. If you were trying to, you know, just sneak it in and let people out of jail. No, they want you to know if you try to defend yourself, if you try to fight back, we're going to put you in prison. He's charged with murder, Maui Swift. He's charged with murder, homicide, aggravated assault. It's disgusting. Pauline Buckles, L.A. has enough signatures now to re- recall Gasson. Oh, really? Uh, oh, wow. I I thought he, um, didn't that happen already? I feel like that happened already. Maybe that was someplace else. Um, Kim Allison, absolutely disgraceful. George Soros is evil. Yes. And he's infiltrated the White House as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I think he's pulling the strings for all this stuff. Um, this guy is sitting in Rikers Island right now on $250,000 bail without a criminal history for defending himself. He was supposed to sit there and take whatever was coming to him and not fight, and not fight back. When that guy swings around with a knife, he doesn't know what body part he's hitting. He just happened to get lucky and hit him in the neck. Milwaukee civilian. You might be thinking of uh, Jesse Bowden in San, in San Francisco. Yeah. Because I thought Gaston made it. I thought they tried for him already. So, yeah, man. So that's where we're at right now. With the city, it's just, it's hard to grasp your your mind around it. That this guy is sitting in, he's not a Bernie Getz. You know what I'm saying? As far as we know, not yet. This is one person, one incident. It's all on tape just for you to see. It's not like he walked behind the counter. If he came behind the counter, that line where the customer is supposed to be, if he came behind that line that cus- and came towards the customer with a knife and stabbed him, I'd say, yes, he should be in jail. But he didn't. He stood behind the counter. He would have taken any abuse like he did from the lady who was screaming at him before. He would have taken that abuse. Okay? That's his job. He knows that. But this guy came into his area. So if he was getting, if if that guy put his hand in the cash register, does it change the story? Because that's what could have come next. I'm curious to know about that, Alvin Bragg. Please tell me. If he would have put his hand in the register, does that change the narrative? I'm curious. Let me know if anybody knows him. Kathy Bates, why is it a joke of a VP helping with this elderly man's bail? Oh. Phil Leo, let's not miss words. Mark DeMeo is speaking the unmitigated, non-PC word of truth. Common sense. It is common sense, damn it. Scott Wagner. Scott Wagner will be joining me next week, I think. Um, we try to get him on tonight because before you know what happens is I've I've had plans to do the show by myself on numerous occasions and I always chicken out at the end. They always call somebody up and we're like, hey man, what are you doing? You want to jump on with me? So tonight I was going through with it the whole way, and then Scott Wagner sends me a text. Don't forget to talk about this bodega thing, and um, and then I said, hey, you want to jump on with me? But he didn't want to. He was just getting home from something and he he wasn't prepared. So uh, what does he say, Scott Wagner? Now you know what a problem it will be if civilians are easily get gun permits. There will be countless self-defense cases. Yeah, Scott brings up a good point. 
Scott brings up an ex excellent point. You know, people start defending themselves in this city. Um, and the word is out. Like I just saw, I, I just showed you the hashtag for that guy, uh, Jose Alba. And uh, the word is out already. People are, uh, the, uh, I think the DA's office knows this is not, you're not going to win this case. You don't want this thing to go to trial. If I was this guy's lawyer, not even a day, and you owe me money for putting me in jail. Fuck these people. Donna Lehman, uh, move the hell out of New York City. Not good. Uh, can, no good can happen there. Eh, yeah, we, you know, I am going to get out of here very shortly, by the way. I got a plan. <laughs> it's like I'm getting out of jail. I got a plan. Uh, okay, so uh, what else we got? It this now this goes just to show you how bad crime is in New York City. Eric's Eric Adams aide robbed at gunpoint in Brooklyn. So Eric Adams, who is our mayor of New York City, has an aide. I got a picture of him somewhere. And this guy, what his job is to go around and scout scout locations um, for his boss, where he's going to talk and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so he had, he went to Brooklyn to scout this location, and this is in the middle of the day, by the way, broad daylight. He gets robbed at gunpoint, and he told him, "You probably shouldn't be do this uh, because I work for the mayor." But apparently, they didn't care, and they took his whatnots. And um, you know, Eric Adams, whatever you think of him, he came into a, a job uh, where you know it was just all hell was breaking loose. And now he's got to stop hell from breaking loose. And this is part of the. Um, this is part of it right now. At some point, they're gonna hopefully get get a get a grasp a, a grasp of of the crime, and then and then we can start to try and lower it. But for right now, man, your aid is gonna get robbed if they come to Brooklyn during the day. That's basically what's going on during the middle of the week. I saw this uh, article. The Highland Park shooting was planned for weeks. And uh, this guy, Covelli, he, he said something interesting. And uh, it, it, it bugged me. This is what he said. Um, Covelli, and I don't even know who Covelli is. I guess he's, I don't know, maybe he's the head of the FBI, whatever. I'm guessing right now. Because that's the way the article starts off with his name. Also said the suspect if, is to believe to be uh, have acted alone, and that the shooting appears to be completely random. Investigators have no information to suggest that is motivated by race, religion, or any other protected status. He added, "Well, that bothered me because, as a former detective working in the squad, detective squad, where I had to waste a week of my investigation investigative skills." and probably seven fives follow-up complaint reports to uh, close out a stolen cell phone. These guys, you know, a week to close out a stolen, a stolen cell phone, and these guys are closing out a mass shooting in less than 24 hours. I mean, I'm curious to know why you would give a statement like that. How, how do we know? Like, did we do the deep search dive into his computer? Okay, did we scrub his hard drive really good and see where he was going? Now, there's two theories. Either for me, anyway, either they're trying to uh, dis distract you, just move on, it's over. He acted alone, or 
or they try to do that because they don't want they want everybody else th- knowing what they're doing. It's up to you. But an investigation like this takes a long, long time because you have to scrub his hard drive. You got to figure out his phone and look at where he went wrong. And I guarantee you, if you do a deep dive, you're going to find out where this kid went wrong, where he got hooked, where he got indoctrinated and uh, what happened to his brain in the process. And, you know, is is it a coincidence that all these mass shooters are males within a certain age range? Angry. Um, I mean, I, Margaret O'Toole used to come and speak at the homicide course for the NYPD detectives. Detect- investigators coming from all over the country, and I used to talk to her on the side, and she used to tell me about the profile she used to do. And every time there's a serial killer, you know, they go, if he lives, they talk to him, and they do an extensive, extensive um, interviews, hours and hours and hours, because they want to find the common denominated between all these serial killers so you mean to tell me nobody's doing this the same investigation for mass shooters i mean for crying out loud that's got to be the reason why they're just closing it out i don't know i don't know but it's just it can't be that simple you can't just tell me that the freaking kid acted alone and there was nobody else uh, you know, I'm concerned. I'm a citizen. I want to know what is the common denominator between these mass shooters and how can we stop these people from doing this? I think that's kind of important. You know what I'm saying? Not just uh, he acted alone. That's it. That's the end of it. Maybe it's because the guy had funny hair color and all of a sudden everybody started assuming that, you know, um, even though he had uh, he's he's draped in uh, Trump paraphernalia. And people are jumping all over the internet talking about how this guy was a, a Trump guy. Really? A Trump guy with different color hair? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw a lot of those guys carrying tiki torches, didn't you? No, he was one of these guys that went to, uh, he was dressed as uh, Waldo at one Trump parade where they had a picture of him. Looking for Waldo, that character. So he was obviously like one of these guys that instigates when he goes to these things. He's not he's far from a Trump supporter. So please don't tell me that's the reason why we're not looking into this guy. Because uh, because we know already where he leans politically. No, we need to know. We need to know why we have these, these mass shooters. What's the common denominator? That's the only way we can get to the bottom of this and help. Milwaukee civilian Mark makes another good point. The Highland Park freak has a history of weirdness uh, towards Jews. Eight months ago, he threw out a mother-in-law's synagogue. Yeah, I didn't read about that. I know that they got called to the house twice, once for um, domestic violence. He threatened his family. He had, and there's, he had a bunch of knives and a dagger. And then the other time he threatened suicide. So, which brings up another point. Um, his father co-signed for him to get a gun. So you have a son that's already on suicide. He's, he's got an attempted suicide, or uh, that's what it was. And he's threatened the whole family to kill them. And you're going to go and co-sign this guy's gun. And this is what a piece of shit the father is, by the way. Because the father is not even concerned about the son. The only thing that's on this father's mind is making sure that he's creating a, a wedge between him and his son. This is what the father had to say. A criminal dad washes hands of guilt, but talked with son about mass shooting before. Okay. They had a conversation 
that's not what I wanted to show you. Um, well, wait, well, I'll come back to that. Where is it? Um, the father, the father apparently wasn't around much. Uh, there was people that they they talked to. They said that they they left this kid like they never came to his events. Whatever, whatever made this kid a sullied upset. Uh, got him into rapping. Um, it, it's just, um, it's not good, man. It's not, this is the father, by the way. And it's a, isn't it kind of ironic that the son is doing a lot of this stuff with the hair and the tattoos and trying to be, I don't know, maybe look, uh, you know, you can't uh, identify his gender. And then his father's walking around with these huge tits. That's fucking hysterical, right? <laughs> look at the look at the tits on the father. Oh my god! You know, maybe that's what it was. Maybe the maybe the son was just so fucking pissed that his father had the tits and he never got the tits. That kid was fucking angry for some reason. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's making these kids so f angry. Uh, Scott says the father is culpable. He might be charged as an accessory after the fact. Mystique says, "LOL." Thank you, Mystique. You got the joke. Um, Peter Pranzo. Decades ago, this young guy would have been committed. Yeah, you can't commit anybody, man. Um, you know, you bring somebody to the hospital in New York, and they could be completely off their rocker. They're going to get a two-day evaluation, and then they're going to be asked, do you want to be admitted? And they're always going to say no, and then you have to let them go. That's the way it is in New York. Until Hollywood and media uh, companies vow to stop making uh, I'm trying to see this uh, violent movies and video games, I don't want to hear anything from any of them. I believe wholeheartedly that the video games, first-person shooters, have something to do with the confidence that these kids go out there. Even if they haven't shot a lot, they feel like they know how to do it. Because they've been trained on first-person first shooter games for <laughs> months and years. Pauline Buckles. Uh, yeah, look at the rack on that dad. Isn't it right? Look at it one more time, man, just for shits and giggles. Where is he? There he goes. I, you know, I tell you, I went to that topless speech this Sunday, and I didn't see a pair that good the whole day. And I saw a lot of pairs. That guy's that guy, <laughs> father's got some titties. The only good news to come out of this whole thing, by the way, is that thank God there's probably not going to be a Robert Crimo the fourth, and that ends that. All right, let's go on to the next thing. Uh, what do we got here? Wild video. Okay, we saw that one already. We covered that one. Let's keep moving. All right. So um, this is why the NYPD is so resourceful. By the way, even though we have an ADA. Not an ADA, a DA, a Manhattan DA in Alvin Bragg that doesn't want to do shit. We still continue to find clever ways to do our job. We make these arrests and we throw them at the court and let them be responsible for letting these guys go. More than 300 fugitives busted in New York City as part of a U.S. Marshal's Operation North Star. This was an operation that was put together uh, looking for... Um, Wanted criminals uh, for, um, for, you know, for uh, felonies, including 
robberies, rapes, sexual assaults, um, even homicides. These people had warrant for their arrests, and uh, they created this uh, this thing called Operation North Star, and they went out there and they worked as teams, and they brought in 300 fugitives in New York City alone, and there was a couple of days they went at it. And as a former Warren Squad guy, man, I got to tell you, I did a couple, I did one or two. So okay, I, I'm, I, I think I can honestly say a couple of these, and they're a lot of fun. Um, I remember the most famous one was they sent out uh, people. Uh, everybody who had a warrant got a letter in the mail that they won Yankee tickets, and to come and claim them, they had to go to this certain location, which was the Empire State Building. And these people came to claim their uh, Yankee tickets and they went in one door. They said their name, everything. They showed ID and then they send them in the other room to go get the tickets. And that's where they locked them up and they took them out the back door. And it was great. And uh, that was this. This is like one of those operations. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, fellas. Looks like you guys did a great job. Uh that's why the NYPD is the best and other police departments, man. I'm sure there's a lot of great ones out there. Uh, you know, they do these things, man. They, you know, okay, let these guys go now. And if they do anything, guess what? Shame on you. These 17 New York City illicit cannabis stores have received cease and desist letters from New York State. Look at this place. It's called Weed World. It's an actual store in New York City. called weed world and it's on the corner and uh it says weed world on it and here's the thing when uh cbd uh, began its uh rise in popularity we had these trucks pop up in the city and they would it would say weed on it but it was really cbd it was none of the thc in it and um you know people who bought it probably got hoodwinked because they Maybe they thought they were getting real weed, but they were really not going to have a panic attack. Is that that was all that was going to happen? Because they were on their uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> CBD. They were on their CBD. So yeah, so you're not going to get high, but you're not going to get a panic attack either. So that's good. But um, what happened was since we passed a law in New York State that marijuana is legal, and you can have this is just a theory of mine, by the way. But if you if they say you can have up to six ounces on you without being arrested and you can share it with your friends and they can give you a donation. So now I have a store where I'm selling all this CBD stuff, but I also have a jar of pre-rolls pre-rolls regular marijuana with thc this is part of my personal consumption my six ounces that i'm allowed to have on me at all times without a threat of being arrested because that's the law and i'm sharing it with somebody that i just met and they're going to give me a ten dollar donation and that's exactly what's going on in these places so basically they're selling weed out of these places before they actually have a regular New York state license. And the only problem that's going on here is that these people don't, they haven't bought the license yet. New York is, 
they're kind of sort of figuring out. They're like, um, they're like Louis from Taxi. If anybody's old enough to remember when Louis, uh, uh, when Jim burned down Louis's apartment, and then Louis finds out that Jim is rich, so he's trying to figure out how much he's going to ask Jim's father uh, for the money, and he's saying fifty thousand four hundred and fifty nine. 10,600 and he's going back and forth like that. So uh that's what New York State is doing. They're trying to figure out exactly how much money they're going to charge for these licenses. How how far can we possibly go to charge a business for the license? Cuz they need to know how much you're going to make so then they can tax it. And they don't want to come up shy. So I guess a lot of these places probably are being able to run um and I know for a fact that there are uh smoke shops in the city selling lucy's um pre-rolls um it's a fact and they're, they're real weak i know it for a fact so um i guess they're trying to figure out just it's but it have to be like at, once it's out there though forget it the money that's going to be made is going to be insane by these people but that's what's going on over here. Uh, if you one of these places, uh, smoke shops, I know you you were hustling for a minute, but you should probably be uh, on the lookout. You know what? I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do this by myself, but look at this, man. We're at 49 minutes, and now I got to speed up. Okay, so Brittany Griner just tested, uh, just pled guilty in Russia to carrying... Uh, that uh, wh whatever it was, the vapes that she had, I think hash vapes. And I just posted a meme <laughs> and it, it cracks me up. And it's, um, what's his name? Uh, damn it. I can't. Chris, Chris Farley. Chris Farley and Brittany Griner. And Chris Farley saying, remember that time? were protesting against the United States and didn't want the national anthem played at any of our games, question mark. And then on the bottom of the picture of them sitting next to each other. And now you're in prison in Russia and want the United States to save you. <laughs> that was awesome. And um, that's, a, that's the interesting part of this story is that, you know, you got to be careful, man. You know, don't shit what you eat, man. You're shitting on this country, and now you're begging for them to, to come and help you. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, man. I hope she comes back, Mo. There's no reason why she should spend even another minute there, by the way. She's already be, been in prisons or jail for, I don't know, it's got to be four months now, five months. This is a very, very sad story. It breaks my heart to say this, man. This Detroit police officer um, was responding to shots fired. I'm trying to get his name here. Um, his name is Lauren Quartz. He was responding with his partner to shots fired in a Detroit neighborhood, and he was killed. They got ambushed. As soon as they got out of the car, he was shot and killed. And that's a picture of him with his family. Lauren Quartz, and he just looks like a beautiful person. I mean, can you look at that smile, man? Even when he's serious, he looks like he's smiling. And he's behind those two beautiful kids and that beautiful wife, and it breaks my heart.
um, say a prayer for his family. There's a lot of other police officers who died during the week. Angel keeps up with that, man. Um, I don't know. I saw this one today, so I just had to say something. And since we're on death, man, unfortunately today, a great actor, one of my favorite actors of all time, James Conn passed. James Conn of one of the greatest or the greatest movie ever made, The Godfather. Sonny, Sonny Corleone. Um, also, In the Elf, which is one of another one of my favorite movies. Misery, another great movie. He, he passed away today at the age of 82. Um, so, yeah. We all get older and we pass, man. He had a nice life. If I, uh, I got time to tell one story. When I first started acting, I used to do background work. And I worked on this movie called Mickey Blue Eyes. And I, uh, it was a party scene that I was uh, hooked up with uh, a real att attractive blonde actress. And she was wearing almost nothing. And uh, her name, I forget about her name. I don't mention names. So anyway, so we got to be friendly. And um, on the breaks, I used to take her around. And it was a great way for me to meet uh, Burt Young, which I met. Uh, I met him before that, but from Rocky uh, and uh, Jimmy Khan, I knocked on his trailer too. And uh, I would knock on the trailer and they would see me and I'd be like, hey, listen, I just want to introduce you to Hope. Damn it, I said her name. Fuck, I forgot I was going to say it. Her name was Hope. And uh, and they would be so happy to see this knockout blonde. And they would look at me like I was crazy. Like I was just like, why would you do that? And I'm like, because I'm a great guy. And then I would leave. And, uh, and uh, Hugh Grant was in the movie too. So, uh, yeah, that's my Jimmy Conn story. And uh, may he rest in peace. What a great actor. I saw this meme. I thought it was really, really funny. So I'll share it with you. Uh, this is Donald Trump in what looks to be a rig or some type of truck. He's behind the steering wheel. And he says, so let me get this straight. Uh, literally everything President Trump has done or said for the last six years has been leaked to the MSM the next day. But he attacked the Secret Service agent on January 6th, and it was kept silent the last 18 months. And yes, that's what goes to show you when we talk about hypocrisy. And all that it entails, um, what a mockery they're making of this uh, this whole thing. Let's go back to the chat before I close this out with some final words. Uh, let me just revisit you guys. What are we talking about here? Ryan Investigative Group, excellent job. Thank you so much. It's, um, it's very, very kind of you to say that. Uh, it, you know, it's funny doing stand-up. You're on stage by yourself, and... Um, I don't know why that doesn't seem to bother me, but doing the podcast by myself was something like, I don't know. I, I like having a guest. I like talking to people. I'm a people person. I love people. Margaret Hearn uh, gives whole new meaning to polish my rack. <laughs> That's funny. That same scenario was used in the Pacino moon. We see a love. Was it? I got to think about that. Yeah, maybe you're right. Um, Phil Leo, NYPD retired Lieutenant Mike Riley from Manhattan DA and New York Governor. He's too good for just an assembly in Staten Island. God bless him. There you go. I'm happy I saw that. I'm happy I had a chance to read that. Uh, Mayo, solo. Terrific. Raquel Pranzo. Wow, that's so nice of you. Very cool, Mark. You did good. All right, well, I'm not done yet, damn it. Let's just, uh, I want to 
do a little mo- movie review. I saw the movie uh, Elvis. It's a Baz Luham fr- film. I think I'm. Uh, I wonder if Luham film. Now let me tell you something, man. You want to go see a movie. You want to have a fun time at a movie. You want to really, really enjoy a movie. This guy, what's his name? Austin Butler, who plays Elvis. My God, what a job he does. He's simply amazing. I mean, for crying out loud, I never... You know, the guy who did the uh, played um, Freddie Mercury and Queen, he did an amazing job, too. I got to tell you, that was a great... But this guy playing Elvis. I mean, he was Elvis. I mean, you couldn't do it any... He, he could be better than Elvis, for all I know. I mean, just a powerful, powerful uh, performance. You know, the Tom Hanks character, uh, you know, you obviously... It pales in comparison because the guy, Colonel Parker, wasn't uh, somebody that we like very much, knowing what he did to Elvis. And also, he wasn't much to look at. So Tom Hanks has to dummy his handsome down to be this Colonel Parker. He still puts in this, you know, he, he's he's one of the best. I mean, is if not the best, Tom Hanks. But the guy who plays Elvis, if you haven't seen Elvis yet, go check it out. Do yourself a favor. It's two and a half hours. You don't notice it's long until the very, very end at like 2.20. I was like, oh, wow. this!" I didn't want it to end, by the way, but I was like, wow, this has been going on for some time. But I can't get enough of that kid, man. What a performance. And um, last but not least, where am I? Saturday night, if you're in New Jersey, I'll be in Seabright, Seabright, New Jersey. 1132 Ocean Avenue, Seabright, New Jersey. Showtime is 8 p.m. I'm doing uh, the Looney Bin Comedy Club over there. And I'll be with Tom Enzalone. And it should be a great night full of laughs. I got some new stuff I'm excited to do. And, uh, man, you guys, I got to tell you, you made it easy, man. Having you guys here with me and and, uh, the fact that you guys tuned in. It made it made it doing it alone. Who knows? Maybe I'll uh, I'll still have guests. I'd rather have guests. But now that I know I can do it, I'm okay. You guys help me. You guys help me over it. So uh, we're coming back next Monday. Monday um, we'll be back uh, with uh, the week in crime and policing. Angel and I. But in the meantime, I wish you guys a wonderful weekend. And. Uh, like I said, don't forget about the the beach that I mentioned early on, right up front. If you're uh, if you want to know about the beach, you know, inbox me. I just can't say it over here. I don't feel like I have. Uh, I don't want to blow up the spot, but um, it's definitely a nice beach, and it's not that far. Okay, so enjoy your weekend. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You guys are the best. Good night, everybody. Bye now. Wait, I want to play. You know, I just thought of playing the outro. Watch it. Why not play the outro?